can't be, can't be ready. I don't know if we tested this, so just be my trigger man up there. Well, uh, we are glad to be back from vacation, and uh, as some of you may have heard through the one call, I got sick on vacation, so that's just the way it is. But uh, and it carried into this week, and it just kind of knocked me flat. So thank you for those of you who are praying for me, and uh, <clears throat> I'm going to try and hopefully nothing flares up in my throat this morning. But uh, it's it's good to be back home. Um, and I'm excited to see some prayer tags over here in this prayer answer board. Amen? Um, so God is working. So again, I encourage you at any time, go over there and fill out uh, a prayer request. Unfold it up, put it in the basket, and we'll have it on there. And those of you that have decided to pray, thank you so much. And we'll take as many as we can get. So, um, you know, see me after service if you're not sure how that works. But we're anxious. And, and when God answers the prayer... And go over there and take the little tag and fill it out and, and stick it up there. And so we're excited to see God moving. Amen. I have uh, been trying to search for a while what does God want me to go into next. And so we're going to go into another series that I feel just very well could be where many of you need. And we've been talking about something similar to this, but I'll get into that in a second. Some of you may remember uh, back in 2011 from April 25th through April 28th, uh, during this span of four days, an extremely large number of tornadoes broke out across the country and uh, mainly in the Midwestern parts of the United States to become known as the super outbreak. The largest outbreak of storms and recorded ever, uh, tornadoes ever recorded affected the southern, midwestern, and northeastern portions of the United States. 21 states were affected, even Canada. 336 tornadoes were confirmed. Four F5 tornadoes in category and 346 people died. Just about a month after that, many of you remember the story of May 22nd, an F5 tornado extending a mile wide hit Joplin, Missouri, resulting in an entire town being wiped out. 159 died, estimated $3 billion in damage. This week I was uh, uh, watching the New Orleans Saints play football on TV and they were celebrating the 10th anniversary of whenever the, here we go Kent, I don't know, it worked for me at first, but go ahead and advance it for me sir, uh, celebrating the 10th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina and the 10th anniversary of when they were able to open the Superdome back up because that hurricane practically destroyed the Superdome. Go ahead Kent. Sixteen-foot storm surge came about six miles inland. There were 23 breaches in their levees, resulting in the worst ever engineering disaster. Eighty percent of New Orleans was underwater, some parts 15 feet of water. How can we forget the recent flooding of West Virginia and Louisiana? Louisiana, a huge system just kind of moved over to that area of the country and it just sat there, it just stalled out there. And it dumped, now get this, it dumped 20 to 31 inches of rain in just a few days. I don't think we can fathom something like that. 
That is three times the amount of rain that Hurricane Katrina dumped in the New Orleans area. West Virginia, I was smack dab in the middle of that whenever I was doing a Craigsville camp meeting. And uh, what I remember the most is just being amazed at how one um, wave of torrential, colossal storms just came through after another. And it was just wiping out the areas. And just incredible, one wave after another. And it seemed like it would never stop. Natural disasters have always just been a part of life. It can come out of nowhere with no advance, and life can be like this, can it? We're going about our day minding our own business when all of a sudden we're hit with a tornado-sized problem. Then as we're dealing with that problem, a hurricane-sized dilemma hits us. And a lot of times this might not just be one thing that hits us. We deal with multiple things that hit us over time. Before Joel Penton came a number of weeks ago to speak, I uh, gave a message on in the midst. Not about it. it just seems like so many people in the midst of our congregation are going through things, multiple things. Maybe you're someone who's been battered with one storm after another. Maybe your storms are physical. Maybe they're marital. Maybe, maybe they're relational or financial. Maybe your job and your career is in flux. Maybe you're facing hurricane-sized storms with your children. Like the rains of the Louisiana and West Virginia floods, you feel as though you just keep getting hit with one band after another, after another, after another. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. Some of you, life is going well right now. And that's awesome. And I pray that it goes well for a long time, but life is not always promised to be like that. But I believe there are some of you, and I've already talked to some of you here this week, talked to some of you already this morning, I believe that this message is going to help. And really it's a series of messages that I'm titling Lessons from the Red Sea. Lessons from the Red Sea. Before we get into our passage in Exodus chapter 14, there are several lessons when you dig into this story, this popular story of Moses and the Israelites and leaving Egypt. There's many lessons that, that I believe can help us in our times of hurricane-sized storms. Folks, we can't always prevent these things from happening in our lives. We can't always stop them, but we can make it safely through if we hold on to certain truths, if we hold on to certain lessons during our storms. Typically, as we're, as I preached, as we're in the midst of our storms, it seems like God is nowhere around. I know that. It seems like He's nowhere near. Where are you, God? I don't feel you. It seems like we will never get out of the mess that we were in. There is no light at the end of our tunnel. You're not the only one that has felt like that. Many who have gone before you have felt like that. One of the things that means the most when we sang it this morning, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Go to the word of God because God's word tells us, Go ahead, Kent. I, the Lord, will even make a way in the wilderness. And rivers in the desert. 
When it seems to be no way out, God says, I will make a way. And you notice something that really speaks to me. He says, I, the Lord, will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, in the midst. Someone here today needs God to make a way in your problem. Not just, Lord, get me out of this and I know that you know, you'll help me after that. No, you need him to make a way in the process. Not sure what that is about, but hang in there with me. Thanks, Ken. When you pray, keep alert and be thankful. Be sure to pray that God will make a way. Colossians 4, 2-3. The Lord will utterly make a way to cross on foot. You can trust God. He will not let you be tested more than you can stand. But when you are tested, He will also make a way out so that you can bear it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 If there's a statement, I may have said it before, but if there's a statement that you will hear me say throughout this uh, series, it's the statement, if God says, if I brought you to it, I'll bring you through it. Folks, sometimes that's going to be the only thing that you can hang on to. Hang on to that. God will say, if I brought you to it, I'll bring you through it. Let's get into our story, our passage this morning. Exodus chapter 14. Moses is getting ready to lead the people out of Egypt. The last of the deadly plagues has just taken place. The death angel has gone through the camp. And boy, there's a whole message in that, isn't there? The death angel has gone through Egypt and has killed all the firstborn males except for those of the Israelites in their camp. Pharaoh has freed the Israelites, but they're about to face a storm that will come out of nowhere. Let's read Exodus chapter 14, beginning with verse 3. I'm reading from the New King James, as I often do, Exodus 14, 3 through 12. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart, God said, so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also he took six hundred choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with the captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Hirath before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dwelt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? 
Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Up until that point, life for the Israelites was going very well. After 400 some years of bondage, they were finally set free. And the unthinkable happened. Pharaoh finally let the Israelites go free. And let me remind you, the word tells us that there's about, there were about 600,000 men, not including the wives, the, the women, all the children. So there's probably talking about 2 to 3 million people here that Pharaoh let go. You can imagine all the labor that was let go. The unthinkable had happened. But just as soon as they leave, Pharaoh comes chasing after them, and there's seemingly no way out. In front of them is this vast red sea. You know, we've heard some of the conspiratist uh, theorists, um, they said, you know, they're trying to think of natural ways of how they could have gotten through the sea. And, and, and they believe that there are different portions of the Red Sea to where it's actually very shallow. So it's easy, it would have been easy for the Israelites to go through. So see, there was no miracle. And then the next question is, well, if that's the case, then how do you explain when all 600 Egyptians died in that shallow sea, right? So there's different things to think about with that. But here they are in front of them. We know is this vast Red Sea. To the right and to the left is desert. As far as the eye can see, or if they were to go, there would be mountains. And behind them, the Egyptians are coming in hard on them. There is no escape. Have you ever felt like in your scenario, in your storm, there is no escape? Yeah. I know that you have. They are hedged in, and just like that, life changes. We can relate, can't we, church? A phone call or a report from a doctor's office an email or a visit or a text or a letter and just like that life changes forever many of us know how the Israelites feel life is going well and before you know it a storm is upon you and as you're dealing with that storm maybe something else hits and something else hits and what we find ourselves coming under the weight of is exactly what the Israelites came under the weight of called worry. Go ahead, Kent. Maybe. No. Is it me? Worry. I'm not going to worry about this, though. All right, when you get it up there, that's okay. Worry. You can hear it in the voices of the Israelites in this passage. They were scared to death. They were worried. Worry can fall on us like an F5 tornado. Worrying has varying levels and degrees, but sometimes worry can reach levels so that you're so overwhelmed that you're, you feel like you're on the verge of drowning. I've, I heard of an illustration once that worry is like a small drip of fear that falls on your head and it grows and then it just flows over your head and before you know it, your entire body is just consumed in fear and in worry. 
We know the Bible says not to worry. Whenever you're in a colossal sized storm and someone comes up to you and just says, don't worry about it, don't you want to slap them? <laughs> you know? Yeah? Sometimes to not worry seems impossible. Preacher John R. Rice, though, says this, worry is putting question marks where God has put periods. Think about that. Worry is like putting question marks where God has put periods. We've heard this before. Bishop Fulton J. Seen said, Worry is a form of atheism, for it betrays a lack of faith and trust in God. We can all say amen or ouch. Sometimes easier said than done. I mean, how can one not worry when you jump on the internet to see exactly what your symptoms really mean? Yeah, you've done that. And all of a sudden, worry gets worse. How can one not worry when your spouse says to you, I just don't know about us anymore? How can one not worry when your child says that they hate you and they begin to go their own way? How can one not worry whenever they go to work one day and they leave at the end of that day without a job? When the employee or the employer says, you know what, we're moving in a different direction. Or like the Israelites, how can one not worry when you're in the middle of your difficulty and the sea is in front of you and there's no way to the right, no way to the left, and behind you is the enemy and there's no way of escape. How can one not worry? Lessons from the Red Sea. I'm just going to give you one today. This is, as I said, this is going to be a number of weeks series, but I'm only going to give you one today. I didn't know how long my throat would hold up, so here we go. Lesson number one. Can, can you get it up there? Lesson number one, know that you are exactly where God wants you to be. I didn't think I'd get a bunch of amens with that. That's not what you wanted to hear, is it? How can I say that? Some of you are going to say, are you kidding me? I got up early, I got dressed, I got ready to come here. This, that I'm exactly in the storm that God wants me to be. How can I say that? Pastor, how can you say that? Back up to, I can say that because of what God said in Exodus chapter 13. Go there with me if your Bibles are still open. Exodus chapter 13. I tell you what, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, but I have to keep backing up further and further from this Bible just to see what I'm looking at. Uh-oh is right. I'm going to have to borrow someone's glasses out there today. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being stubborn right now with this. Chapter 13. Look at this. Verse 17. Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, though that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Folks, did you see what just happened here? 
You see, the Israelites may have thought that they and Moses had made a colossal mistake, but it was God who told them where to go and when to go. He knew that they were going to be trapped, or though it would seem. They thought that they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, but this tells us that they were in the right place at the right time. Amen. Again, this will be the only lesson that I'm going to give you this morning, but it might just give someone what they need this morning is hope. Maybe you need hope today. As Christian author Robert Morgan puts it, during these times we may feel a surge of panic and sense of alarm, but it's then when we need to take a deep breath and remember, go ahead Kent, we can get up there, remember this, when you are in a difficult place, Realize that the Lord either placed you there or allowed you to be there for reasons perhaps known for now only to Himself. Again, may not necessarily take the pain away, but it may give you what you need to take the next step. May make you say, okay God, okay God. It's easy for me to say this, Joyce. You're exactly where God wants you to be right now. How can we not say that, church? If we believe that God is in control. Isn't that fascinating that God said, look, I don't want them to go this way by the way of the Philistines because if they do, then they're going to be tempted to go into war and they're not going to want to go into war and then they're going to go back to the very thing that I'm trying to deliver them from. See, God has reasons. He knows. He knows. My mom has said many times that we may not always know this side of heaven why God allows us to go through things, but if for nothing else but to draw us closer to Him, if for nothing else than to bring us close to the bosom of our Lord and Savior, if for nothing else to make us say, the only way that I'm going to make it through this is, Jesus, if I, if I follow you with everything that I have, and isn't that not what we're to do anyway? God knows. God knows. God has reasons for allowing our storms as well. Now, let me give you just a little caveat. This series will be geared towards those uh, who are in situations that have been blindsided by a storm not of their own doing. Times when you may not have done anything to bring about the difficult circumstances that you are in. However, we all know that sometimes we can create our own storms, amen or out. We know sometimes we can be the ones to create the tornadoes that we're in. Times when we've made wrong decisions, wrong attitudes, wrong actions, and those things will bring about storms. Now, if you're here this morning and then you're, you're in the middle of a storm that you know deep down inside that you've created yourself, there's good news. <laughs> there's good news for you. God still wants to lead you out. 
God still wants to be the one that is guiding and directing your steps. However, it will take some action on your part. What do I mean by that? All we have to do is just look at the story of King David. David, he created his own storm when he decided to have an affair, commit adultery with Bathsheba, and then he had her husband killed to try and cover it up. He created his own storm, folks. God still wanted to help David, but not until David got himself right with God. Okay? Not until David got himself right with God and his fellow man, which praise the Lord David did. All we have to, you don't have to turn there, but listen, Psalm 51. This is the heart of a man. These, this is the words of a man who has found himself in a self-induced storm and he realized, I'm not on the path that, that God is with me. I know that. What do I have to do? This is what he did. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Praise the Lord. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, O my, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and upon me by your generous spirit. Once David confessed his sin, once he confessed his wrongdoing, God set him on a path of righteousness. And God once again became his God. And he followed him. Same with us. If you find yourself in a self-induced storm, follow the steps of David. Get yourself right with God. Repair the things with God and those of your fellow man. And once again, God will bless you. And I end this morning with this story, going back to you're exactly where God wants you to be. Can you put a picture up there for me? Darlene Dibler Rose. And I end with this story. Darlene was married to a man named Russell. They were married on August 18, 1937. A year later, they were missionaries in the jungles of New Guinea. As a precursor to World War II, the Japanese invaded their region, and soon Russell was taken to a concentration camp, and Darlene, that lady there, was taken to another camp. Now, you don't know her, never probably have heard her, don't know anything about her, you will, but can you imagine that moment your beloved is put on a truck to go to a concentration camp and you don't know the future and don't know if you'll ever see each other again. When the truck that took Russell away pulled away, Russell leaned out of the back of the truck and said to Darlene, Remember, Jesus said he would never leave you nor forsake you. 
As the truck pulled away, Darlene said, God, what about now? I'm all alone now, God. And all of a sudden, her life was underwater with a massive spiritual and emotional hurricane. New storms came when as a prisoner in a Japanese concentration camp, Darlene suffered under forced labor, near starvation, and various physical ailments of her own. Another storm hit when about a year later she received news that her husband passed away from dysentery. I wish I could say that they were reunited. Everything was fine. Life's not always like that. When she got that word, Darlene felt that God had indeed left her and forsaken her. And it was then that she heard God say, quote, My child, did I not say to you that when thou passest through the waters, I would be with you? And through the floods, they would not overtake you. And Darlene continued on. Her next storm occurred when one day she was taken to a dark cell and on the door of the cell was written the words, This person must die. She knew that she had been singled out to be the next person executed. And as the footsteps of the guards left her, she fell backward in a cold sweat, trembling, fighting off sheer terror. And it was then she began singing a song from Sunday school that went, Fear not, little flock, wherever and whatever your lot. He enters all rooms, though the doors are shut. He never forsakes. He never is gone. So count on His presence in darkness and in dawn. It was at that time that Darlene felt the strong arms of the Lord just wrap around her. She knew the guards had locked her in that death cell, but they could not lock her away from her wonderful Lord. She knew that she was in an impossible spot. There was a sea in front of her and desert right and left and the enemy behind her. But she knew that she served a God who could do the impossible. Mandy, come on up. Joyce, I don't know what you all are playing. I'm not going to drag this out. I'm done. Some of you may want to know what happened with her. What's going on? Come back. That was not dirty. But some of you need to come back to hear the rest of her story because it might be your story. So we'll hear more about her in the coming weeks, but... I want to encourage someone here today, and it might be just one person. You're in the middle of something that you didn't really do anything. You don't know how this happened. You didn't bring this self-induced storm. Hear the voice of God say, Child, you're exactly where I want you to be.
You don't know how it's going to play out. It doesn't matter. You're exactly where God wants you to be. Hear God say, trust me. Trust me. Would you find solace and comfort in that truth today that will help give you the strength to just take the step and walk out of here this morning and know that God's going to walk with you? Bow your heads, please. Father God, thank you. And I thank you for your word. How many times have I said that? How many times have I prayed that? How many times have I said that up here on stage? But thank you for your word. And, and it's, Lord, thank you for the stories and, and stories of those who have gone before who have suffered incredible storms. And God, there, I'm sure I'm talking to people right now who are in a wonderful time of life. And we praise you for that, Lord. We thank you for that. But Lord, I, there, there, there's the possibility that at some point in time they're going to need to come back to this these series of messages and, and hang on to what we're going to talk about. Lord, there's perhaps someone here this morning, and God, I'm not just singling out Joyce, but Lord, I know there's many others in this place today. May they hear you whisper, child, you're just where I want you to be. Trust me. Trust me. Thank you for that word that we can walk out with this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?